Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Borussia Dortmund have won the European Cup winners' cup. You can feel the passion, the emotion. And Dortmund against all the odds are European champions. Hey, BVB fans, welcome to Believe in Borussia, episode number 38. We have a packed one for you. Today, we will review the whole season for you. The men's, the women's, and everything else that has been going on, which is a lot. And because it's been so much, I brought in some help. But before we get to that, just a quick shout out to our sponsors over at Bet Online, because so much other action is still going on while the soccer season has mostly wrapped up. There's still NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course the NBA Finals. So if you're into betting, then head to the website to use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BLEAV to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome to part one of our season review and since it's so much to unravel i needed some help uh brian who's um a bvb expert himself writing for bvb bus regularly and also contributing to the bvb international app so um if you're following the club closely in the us you probably have read some of his very insightful pieces so just the man um i need to talk about coaching changes, um, the season, like we said, and um, obviously also new players, old players, and everything in between. So, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks so much, Tilo. Uh, expert, I believe, is a bit flattering, but uh, but yeah, we'll go with that. I'm really happy to be here to be talking uh, Dortmund with you. Uh, of course, I also failed to mention that he's super humble, so I kind of knew the moment I said expert, he would <laughs> say he's not, but you will hear that he clearly knows his stuff. And um, yeah, like I said, it's so much to unpack that I think we will also split these this episode into two, basically. And in part one, I want to use, uh, dedicate some time to look back at the season and kind of like the last couple of games, which sort of, it felt fizzled out a little bit. I don't know how you feel about it. There wasn't really much to play for anymore. And it sort of showed on the pitch. And in a sense, it was a, reflection of the whole season itself i don't know how did you experience the last couple of match days when everybody else sort of did exciting stuff qualified for the champions league had a cup final one europa league final and we were sort of like withering away it felt no i mean yeah i definitely agree with you on that i feel it was a very lethargic last few games kind of just going through the motions particularly for certain players like erling holland who's you know on his way out already we knew that he was going to leave. So for him, it was almost just a formality to get through the matches. Um, yeah, honestly, there was really nothing to play for and no real excitement. You know, second place was basically secured. Like you said, no cup competition. So there was no real incentive for them to put in, you know, an immense amount of energy into these performances. There was some excitement, uh, at least in the last game. And, you know, you can go into this a little bit as well, if you like. But um you know, around Yusufa Mukoko coming on on the pitch and uh, coming out and scoring a pretty pretty emphatic goal, I'd say. He was on the pitch for, what, like a few minutes and uh, and it's in the back of the net. I am a big Mookie fan. 
if you've been listening, you probably heard um, me raving about him a year or so ago. I hoped he would be a little bit more impactful this season, and it has a lot to do with injuries, him not being available. Um, but yes, I feel like in these moments, you, you just see what's possible. Yes, he gets offside a lot. Yes, he makes some weird runs in general. He's running wild! But that's because, you know, he's still 17, a young kid that has barely a couple of like programs under the belt, which is amazing as a matter of fact that he already has those. So yeah, I was very happy about that. I was very happy about Bino Gittens getting some time. But, you know, I actually made the same mistake kind of um, when saying there was much to play for than, you know, then I feel like the players did because there was something to play for. A Ruhr Derby, for example. Um, I don't think that should be taken lightly. I don't think any Dortmund fans in particular in around the Ruhr area take that lightly. And I'm pretty sure the Bochum fans didn't take that lightly. And um, yeah, you know, it was fabulous weather. These spring games are always great. A home match, you know, capacity crowd for the first time in a long time. Um, you know, a couple of home matches where actually the stadium is full again. And then, you know, team shits the bed again. Yes, maybe there wasn't, you know, the, the championship wasn't at stake anymore. But, you know, local pride, number one in the Ruhr area, sort of like the local championship, if you will. Yeah, it's very telling that it seems that not everybody gets it on this team. Um, because talent-wise, I don't think, yeah, you know, it's unfair to say that, that Borussia Dortmund is above Bochum. Even though Bochum, you know, and all credit to them, have shown and to be an incredible foe this season. You know, beating Bayern, obviously, emphatically as well at home tying us in the away game, but still we need to do better there. And I think ball on lie, you know, the fact that we went ahead in that game after falling back and not even knowing why, and then still losing, it just showed like, you know, Rashid Wallace said ball on lie, like Bochum were a better team. They wanted it more. Yeah. And that's just something, I don't know. I've observed many times this season. I feel like where games that we should have won, where we should have put in more, we didn't. And that's, you know, just disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going with the Bochum game, like you were saying, basically, you, we can't really say that Dortmund is above Bochum. I think quality-wise, you know, it, it's very obvious that Dortmund are above Bochum, and the result that occurred shouldn't have happened in the first place. It's it, regardless of whether it's a derby or not, you know, the, the the gap in quality is there, and it's an embarrassing result. So, but like you said, definitely, you know, the fans in the area wouldn't have taken that lightly at all. Um, there were a lot of games throughout the season, honestly, where that was the case. I mean, the, the reverse fixture with Hertha, you know, that, that was a game that, that was dreadful, you know, that should have never happened in the first place. And, uh, it was just these lethargic, you know, not really defensively sound, um, performances that really hurt Dortmund in the long run, really knocked us out of competitions that we should have gone pretty deep in, in my opinion. So why do you think that is? Why do you think we're playing a home game against Bochum. We know that they, you know, are a tough matchup for us after not beating them, you know, in the away fixture. We know we don't, we haven't played a great season and there's a chance to sort of make, make up at home for it with a Rue Derby victory. And then we don't. Why? I think it's hard to explain. I don't think there's one singular factor that, that indicates why that result was what it was. I mean, it's indicative of a long lasting problem. I mean, squad stability has been a massive issue throughout the entire season. You could barely string together a, a proper defense, you know, for two, three games at a time without injuries, hampering, 
or, or, or take it, taking players out, you know, th- there's never any sort of rhythm that this team got into. And it's crazy to say, because, you know, every team has injuries and, and, and trials and tribulations throughout the season. But if you really look at what Dortmund went through this season, it, it's more than most teams go through in several seasons, particularly in, in terms of the injuries. So I feel like the, the team really didn't have much of a flow. And I feel once again, it was just indicative of that. Yeah, the flow, I can sort of like understand to an extent, but but just sort of like the availability or the lack of availability of some players, I find a little harder to take as a as an as a reason, as an excuse, because again, we actually had a pretty deep squad comparing it with the last couple of years. And we're usually still able to field um, talent that at least should be competitive. And um, I feel like I feel like it's more a cultural thing, like the lack of being able to handle adversity. And, you know, um, in that Bochum game, for example, a couple of scenes, like, first of all, you know, we were bleeding goals and that has nothing to do, I think, with talent, you know, especially with set pieces and things like that. Like defending a set piece is not about talent. Um, you don't have to be much faster um, than, than somebody else because, you know, we're talking about a couple of yards maximum in between you your opponent and the ball nobody's going to sprint away from you in, inside the box you just have to be alert you have to be in the right position and that's more a mental thing than anything else and and, and, a, and a matter of preparation so that what that's what concerns me um it's these things where yeah also our lack of imagination um defending like the the same way that that we lack somewhat creativity in the front at times, you know, just playing the ball left and right, left and right, and not really getting into positions where we become dangerous. Um, it kind of like bites us in the butt on the back as well, because we sometimes don't think people will be dangerous in certain positions, but then they are. And I remember very, very clearly the Holtman goal, which was an absolute screamer on that Bochum game. Oh, wow. What a finish. Garrett Holtman. It had a 3% chance per um, AWS, like of scoring opportunity. And that's exactly how we, we defended it. Like everybody thought, ah, you know, what's he going to do from there? Well, he scored because he took the shot and we don't score because we don't take these shots. Like the only time is when we take these shots is when we're already down and it's like two minutes extra time, you know, the game is just about to be called off. These are all things that have nothing to do with talent, in my opinion. They have everything to do with, with sort of like how you approach your job. And um, that hasn't been good enough across the board, in my opinion. No, I agree with you. I definitely feel the the approach certain players have, have brought to the fore ha- hasn't exactly been what the team has needed. But I mean, just taking a look at, at the back line, I mean, for that Bochum game, I mean, you have Marius Wolf, granted, he's been m- much improved, at least in my opinion, uh, the second half of the season. I think he's been one of the more improved players on this team. You have Emmanuel Kanji, who, who might or might not already be checked out. I, I don't want to, you know, haphazardly just accuse players of, of not wanting or not trying to be competitive. But there is a chance that, for example, he's already checked out. He's likely to leave this season. You have Adan Axel Zagadu, who I was a massive fan of um, for a long time when he was at our club. He can't string together five or six games without being injured. You throw him in. I, he's not in match form to even really be able to be uh, productive in defense. You have Rafael Guerrero, which is also a player I'm a massive fan of, but we know that he's susceptible to not being, you know, the best defender uh, at all times. I mean, he's great going forward, but he also has, he can also be a liability going back. Um, and then you have 
there, there you go. You, you, you have instances like that where, for example, he's not pressing players or, 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 or getting into the position that he should be to, to, to do what he has to do. Sometimes he'll take, you know, the easy way out, like you're mentioning there. And then you have an Axel Witzel who was a fantastic servant to the club, but I mean, it's obvious because his contract wasn't renewed. You know, you have a player that's kind of on his last legs in terms of being um, that force that you need in defense, you know? Um, and granted, he was never really that sort of, uh, you know, destroyer in midfield that would, you know, screen the defense, but he was definitely a lot more physical back in the day. Um, so I feel like just looking at that back line, and, and of course, you're also missing Gregor Colbell, which in, in my opinion has been one of Dortmund's best players all season. So you don't have him in goal as well to, to make that amazing save uh, once or twice throughout the game. That's an extra two goals that you have to deal with, you know? So there's 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 a lot of factors when you're looking at that lineup where it's just like, I don't know. Like, I, I can see how Bochum scored those goals. Yeah, totally. And I'm, But I mean, not just Bochum, you know, 50 plus, 52 goals, I think, in the league conceded. That's, you know, on par with basically being relegated. And I mean, to be fair, yes, we scored a lot of goals, but still, um, you know, we didn't win enough games to actually be competitive in terms of the league and that's the whole point of it yeah that's disappointing and i mean you mentioned the kanji too i think he was our best center back for the last season maybe the season and a half absolutely despite you know sometimes being checked out despite sometimes also having some blips like yeah like same thing right I feel one of these games too, and maybe it was even, but I guess we, I mean, we conceded four goals. So it was obviously a lot of mistakes. I feel like he just slipped. He slipped because the grass was wet because he wasn't ready. He kind of like was trotting along. And when he tried to accelerate, he slipped. And it's just like, gosh, surprise. You play on grass. It's wet. Gosh, it's wet. These things don't (laughs) happen to players that are a hundred percent, you know, energized and have their, their sensors up you know they don't jog around they're always on their tippy toes ready to make a sudden you know move left or right to sprint into a ball block a player move into open space and we don't you know it's like when the ball is there one or two people get active the rest is kind of like observing and the utmost thing where we have some sort of like movement is when we try to move up front because players are looking for well they're looking for gratification they, they get an instant reward they're looking for that through ball that maybe gets them you know through on goal for a chance and i think that's why we're better on attack than on defense because there is this instant reward the goal the possible goal or the assist you know which you can have within seconds if we break and, and do it well versus on defense where nobody really likes to defend anymore like i don't see a single player on this team, Akanji has a few moments every now and then, but but still not on the same level. Like a Jurgen Kohler or even a, a Papa Socrates, who loves to defend, who couldn't care less about passing and scoring and all that other stuff, who just wants to be there and you know take out players, win balls, win tackles, get into aerial duels. We don't have players like that. Like like a guy like Zagadou, for example, who is so physical and has these like amazing physical gifts, still usually gets outwitted or sometimes even out-hustled because he just relies too much on being so physical that, you know, once you sort of like bounce off him or make a, make a quick move, you, you completely catch him off guard. And I mean, how many times has he given the ball away, slipped, been out of position, 
Um, gave up a penalty again against Hertha. It's too many times for for it to be like a coincidence, you know what I'm saying? Like or like 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 just a bad form of games, in my opinion. And um, I don't know how much it has to do with uh, injuries, but anyway, I mean, I want to talk about Zach um, a little later and about all the players that, that are coming and leaving. But I guess the problem or something that was really bothering me throughout the whole the season, and 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 quite frankly, over the last couple of years, was this lack of yeah dedication commitment and the players are always talking about it but then you don't see it on the pitch and i feel like this year we we sort of like reached a new low in some of these games especially in these cup games and um i think yeah san Pauli, for example was probably the absolute yes you can lose um to even a second division team that was a tougher game than it looked on paper you know away to a team like san Pauli who was uh, fighting for promotion to the bundesliga for most of the a season you know so they have a decent squad together and obviously cup games have sort of like their own rules but still um it wasn't like we were playing out of our minds and just couldn't hit the goal and you know had like 50 shots on goal and then six hit the woodwork and you know and then the referee took three offside goals back and then they scored a penalty you know it wasn't that kind of game um they actually outperformed us in terms of energy <laughs> and that was enough that night yeah for sure i mean just taking a look at some of the stats for that saint paul's uh saint Pauli game i mean in terms of shots we had double it was 14 to 7 shots on target we had six to dare two possession was 69 to 31 percent uh we had 757 passes there 338 i mean pass accuracy for us was much higher i mean the, the, the statistics would indicate you know we would have the chances to win that game. We would have the chances to, to put that result to bed. And frankly speaking, that was our best chance at getting a trophy this season, I would say. But were we dominant? I mean... On paper. Because, on, only on paper. That's the but thing. You remember, but you remember the game, though? I mean, Absolutely. you know, pass accuracy. I can just pass it around the back. Sure. So Pauli's sitting back. They're happy because we're not scoring. We're playing it around the mm -hmm. midfield. Cranks up the pass rate. Cranks mm -hmm. up the pass count. Sure. Doesn't create much danger. But that's what I'm saying, right? On paper, it, it looks good. It looks like something, it looks like it should be a win, but the result once, or the performance, I should say, was once again, lethargic. It wasn't something to be proud of. Um, it, it was, it was frankly embarrassing. I mean, I, I know you're saying, you know, cup games and, and knockout football has, has their own rules or whatever, but at the same time, this should have been the competition, the premier competition for Dortmund to go put as much resources into as possible. Granted, you know, the Europa League was also one that, that I feel like that, you know, they could have definitely gone farther in. Um, but this was the one trophy that I felt Dortmund, if they had really put their minds to it, they could have locked into. Great segue there. Europa League. I mean, Frankfurt beat the Rangers. They won the competition. Are we worse than Frankfurt? Not in my opinion. I mean, the quality, once again, looking just on paper, quality wise, I mean, we're not. I mean, we, we beat the first game of the season was an absolute route of Frankfurt. So it's interesting to see how we went from that to completely just, I mean, just completely bottling it, honestly. Are, are we worse than Gladbach, who hammered Bayern, or, you know, Villarreal, who kicked them out of the Champions League? Are they that much better than Borussia Dortmund? I wouldn't say so. Uh, I would say once again that that at least quality wise, this team should be performing 
above, you know, what these teams uh, have achieved. And granted, that's not to say anything to take away from Frankfurt, for example, or from Villarreal, because the, the difference there, I feel, is these are coherent units with a, an identity um, and, and, and a style of play on the pitch, you know? Um, that's something that Dortmund this season hasn't been able to muster up for themselves for a variety of reasons. I mean, people will give you uh, a variety of reasons for that. They'll blame Rosa for it. I mean, they'll look at the injuries. They'll look at, you know, a variety of factors, you know, and, and, and those are, that's, that's what this team was missing, that identity. These teams that you're mentioning, Frankfurt and Villarreal, they had a specific game plan and a style of play that fit them, and that's what got them as far as it did. And I think whether we are there or better here or there, they're winners. And Borussia Dortmund at this point is not. And it's also because I don't think they or parts of the team, parts of the players do not appreciate some of these opportunities enough. Like if you see what the Europa League, for example, meant to Frankfurt, even the Rangers, you know, this was worthy of a Champions League final. You could have put this in into the company, into the biggest stadiums you can find on the continent, and they would have still easily sell it out, you know, still would have had hundreds of thousands of fans traveling there. Um, obviously the game itself was kind of dire just because, you know, there was a lot riding on it for these teams, not having won anything of significance uh, in Europe in like 40, 50 years. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll give them that excuse because in, in particular, Frankfurt has played lights out in Europe most of the season, you know, most um, um, remarkably uh, the game in Barcelona, of course, which it's kind of like a coming out party similar to Borussia Dortmund beating Real Madrid back in the days, uh, you know, with the four Lewandowski goals, Absolutely. you know, that, that, that that's a game where you make a mark as a player. And I'm pretty sure our players watch that, you know, in Germany, obviously um, there was a big story, um, you know, Frankfurt making it to the final and then winning it and, and the reactions. And I hope, you know, for some of the players for once, they saw like the connection there in the, thinking like look Frankfurt Dortmund in terms of like support for example right that it's very similar they're very um they're clubs that are you know carried by the passionate fan base in the sense like that could be us we could also bring 50,000 even 100,000 fans to wherever you know they would do the same thing they would push us you know we would just have to bring our pitch and then at the same time to your point right we beat these guys at the beginning of the season we hammered them like why am, am I sitting at home watching this on tv when they are, you know, lifting the cup. And it's not like Frankfurt didn't have any issues. Obviously, they're domestically, they didn't do so well. They had injuries too, COVID, what have you. They still found a way. And, you know, it meant something to the players. You could tell, like, these players really wanted it. And ours didn't. And I don't understand it. I understand with some, because some of these players have actually won a lot. They've seen a lot. And, you know, at some point you get old and you get a little, I don't know, less hungry. But there's players that really haven't done a whole lot, you know, outside of cup win and um i don't understand why they're thinking they're so good you know without really winning any major trophy that that that, that they sort of just like will you know walk into the cup final and then kind of like you know take it just on the merit of of, of being better on paper because that's what it looks like to me that's kind of like what this team looks like to me Right. I mean, once again, you know, I, I don't want to question whether or not, you know, players have a specific competitive spirit or not, because at the end of the day, this is their profession. They're professional footballers and they got into this because they have a passion for the game. Right. Um, it might just be simply that they just didn't put in the 100 percent that they could have. Right. Um, 
but you know, once again, can't take away anything from Frankfurt. What they did was amazing. Um, they were able to put together that that team that they did, and uh, and put together that run that they did, which is something that you know, our like you said, you know, our players should definitely look at and and learn from and be able to say if they're able to do it, why not us, right? Um, but speaking of that, it's actually funny to uh, almost see uh, Ansgar Nauf, right? A player that, um, you know, Dortmund considered surplus to requirements almost uh, under Rosé, uh, sent him out on loan, comes back with a Europa League trophy. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, for him, it's great. I guess it has the potential to be a win-win-win situation, right? Which is very rare, which is what everybody wants, but it seldom happens. I mean, we are more than aware of that loans a lot of times don't really work out that well. I don't think Rene was really moving any mountains at Borussia Dortmund. And I don't think him, Real or Dortmund were are super enthusiastic looking back at his time at Borussia Dortmund uh, for various reasons. Uh, I think back in the days, I don't know, you know, when we had Tolian, Isaac, all of those kind of like players um, that never really panned out. This might actually be the difference. This might actually be alone that works for the player because he obviously got to play in big games. He got that experience, that big game experience that is so crucial, you know, in the development of players in general, like playing time and then having, being able to contribute um, to such a, you know, great achievement with the club, um, having responsibility at such a young age. That's fantastic. And honestly, he didn't play that great in the final. And I think he knows that, but you know, that doesn't really matter. And at the end of the day, it's maybe, maybe it's even better because now he knows what it takes to win. You know, once you taste that, you just want to stay on top of the mountain, you know, and, um, and you get smarter and you get better in understanding on what you need to do for it. I'm um, obviously for Frankfurt. It's great because in the other games, he was fantastic for them. He was great versus Barcelona. He, I think he was the best player for Frankfurt versus the rain uh, versus West Ham, which is also funny because, you know, West Ham, you have like players like Declan Rice, where people are saying, oh, you know, he's worth a hundred million. If he's worth a hundred million, how much, you know, is Enzo Knauf worth? And why isn't he right, playing right. for Borussia Dortmund? I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all. Anyway, um, the point being is for Frankfurt, that's a good thing. For Knauf, if he keeps it up, it will be great. It, it obviously has been a fantastic story for him so far because, you know, beginning of the year he played for the second team in the third division and now he is um, the Europa League's best young player. I think that kind of like got an award like that. And so let's hope he stays on his trajectory, takes on more responsibility, gets more experience, and then we get a player back that's, you know, much more polished, um, still hungry, willing to take the next step because... In the perfect football universe, Borussia Dortmund is still a step above Eintracht Frankfurt. And, you know, again, heads off to what Frankfurt did to their fans, to the team, to the club. You know, my utmost respect, but, you know, they were still fighting relegation uh, battles a couple of years ago. So the Borussia Dortmund, just on paper, has an advantage when it comes to, to sheer numbers and resources. So that should put us ahead. That should put our goals ahead and our ambitions ahead. So him being able to sort of like, catch up on that now while playing regularly on Frankfurt and then coming back and being like, now I want to tackle even bigger goals. That's the dream. That's what I hope of this. Like I can only think of a few loans where I feel like 
that has happened, you know, in the past. Like one of them would be like Philipp Lahm going to VfB Stuttgart from Bayern, where he didn't get much playing time. And then in his, I think, two years there, you know, becoming a world-class left back in the progress, lifting Stuttgart up, then coming back to Bayern as sort of like ready-baked player and then continuing to lift his, uh, you know, his playing level there. That's what I hope this loan will be like. So I'm very happy and I'm very hopeful that um, we will get a great player back. Agreed. Um, I definitely feel like he's definitely improved and considering he wasn't getting the playing time here, the fact that he's getting it there and, you know, making an impact on those big games, like you said, is definitely going to shape him into a more molded player. I don't think, um, you know, Dortmund have much to worry about in terms of whether or not, you know, um, they will be the more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? more attractive. attractive yeah there you go attractive project for uh now i feel like what dortmund are building right now and i know we maybe say say this every season <laughs> uh what what we're building right now is is pretty is, is pretty exciting in my opinion so i feel like and, and on top of that you know you also have to realize that now does come from the academy he definitely has his ties here and or uh, with Dortmund. So I, I really wouldn't worry too much about him straying away from that. I think his whole goal is to come back and make an impact with Dortmund, which I'm very excited to, to watch. Him As it should. And again, like, you know, I can only respect the players. Like, look, I'm not happy with my situation right now. I'm not getting enough time, but I want to show you guys. So, you know, I'm taking on the extra exactly. effort. I'm going, you know, I'm going this other road. And yeah, it doesn't feel like it's a loan of like, you know, I'm just trying to kind of like, sneak out no it's like i want to show you guys that you made a mistake and you know once i've convinced you i'm ready to get my starting position and then kick ass so um yeah i mean honestly even on paper you know like dortmund is still obviously um super strong um despite their disappointing showing they still made 66 million uh, in europe uh, in revenue last year i think which is second behind bayern still more than frankfurt maybe it changed now because of the cup um win i'm not 100 sure but honestly it only adds a couple of million only um obviously that's still like uh, decent money but you know considering we had a very disappointing you know season in a way 66 million is still a lot i'm thinking about how rich we are another stat that uh, that i just uh, remembered and that pops into my head um thinking about the season you know a lot of the times in the past we've been complaining about uh, referee's decision and, and and like weird handballs and stuff like that. And to be fair, we had these situations too. There, um, you know, remember a couple of games where you're like, um, why is the VR not, you know, um, saying anything for clear stay infractions? But we had 10 penalties this year, which is a record in the league, I think. So I feel like we can't even blame it this year on like, oh my God, you know, we were so good. And then they were just like fouling us and we... That's why we couldn't get the ball into the net. No, I mean, we had a lot of opportunities from the spot. But anyway, um, in your final kind of like verdict, on a scale of one to 10, what do you give this season? Okay. Um, how do I not be mean? Um, I feel like from how bad it could have been, um, based with, uh, we're just looking at like all the all the adversity and the results that, um, you know, we've seen throughout the season and, and the performances that the team has put in, I feel like it could have been a lot worse. And I, I feel like I honestly, I'd give it like a six. 
just because granted, you know, we weren't great, but we still did manage to get results in games where I feel like in past seasons, uh, you know, we wouldn't have been able to grind out the result. Not always, but I feel it was a bit more frequent. So yeah, I'd say I'd give it about a six because to, the fact of the matter is we still ended up second. We didn't end up with a trophy, but at least we have Champions League football next season and and, and there's that to look forward to because considering the performance that they did put in, it could have been a whole lot worse. I concur. I was thinking six um, for similar reasons. I, I do remember in the beginning of the season, in particular, when we weren't playing well, but we were grinding out results, you know, and, and people saying like, you know what? This is what it takes, right? You can't always like, uh, you know, play brilliant football, at least grind out a result. And we did. Unfortunately, the not so fabulous play continued, but the results didn't continue. And we pretty much got beaten by every good team in the league, any top challenger, Bayern, Leipzig, Leverkusen, and then also lost to some of the not so good teams. So all in all, not that great. Still at the end, second place, Champions League secured, um, advanced in Europe, even though we went out to the Rangers with a abysmal showing. So yeah, a not so good season would still, for many clubs, be a really good season and the damage control is okay. And it seems that we're shifting gears now and really addressing some of the problems. And that, you know, makes me quite hopeful. And to be fair, it's not all bleak in Borussia Dortmund land. The women team had a very, very successful maiden season. But for this, I want to bring in another expert who is somewhat uh, the women observer, um, this side of the Atlantic, Adam Dorowski. And um, Adam will discuss with me now what to look out for the women. Hi, Adam. Um, great to have you on again. I wanted to talk to you because our ladies today clinched the league. Um, congratulations again. And um, I don't think I know anyone that follows them as closely as you. So I'd love for you to provide some insights and maybe just, um, yeah, give us maybe a takeaway for the season, like very high level. Gosh, high level takeaway, you know, first season, uh, zero losses i mean right now they have 15 wins in the league and and they're undefeated in the cup so i think that uh we all hoped that there would be a very successful season i don't think we thought it would be you know quite on this level i mean over both competitions they've scored 137 goals and conceded two it's just been <laughs> uh so much more than i expected and and it, the best part for me is that we've been able to watch so many of the matches from around the world and really uh be a part of it so that's been great yeah that is actually great that they make it available and it's also great that if you ever need you know good commentary check out adam again who i think hosts regular watch parties if i'm not mistaken and since you've been following so closely, um, have you seen grow from the team? Apparently, they're in the league on their own. So, you know, you maybe need to look a little bit towards inwards, you know, for, for goals. Have you seen them become even better over the season? Or did they already start on a very high level and just maintain that? That's, that's a good question. Uh, they, they really started at a very high level, too. And... Uh, really maintained that. There were some injuries during the, the course of the year that they had to contend with and did that without really experiencing much of a drop in form. One of their top strikers was out for a significant, significant amount of time, for example. 
uh, one thing that they did do during the winter break is play a whole bunch of friendlies against higher level competition. So that was really interesting to see kind of a preparation perhaps for next year. And they did for the most part, very well in those friendlies. They had uh, four friendlies, uh, actually, sorry, it was three friendlies against uh, uh, opponents one tier up. And there was a 5-1 win, a 2-1 win, and a 3-3 draw. They faced um, another team that was uh, one division up, Eintracht Dorsfeld. They faced them in the cup and won 3-0. So those are all teams one level up. They, they faced two teams in friendlies that were two divisions up, and there was a little bit more resistance there. They had a 1-1 draw to Heeren and a 2-1 very late loss to Drollshagen. So, you know, those are teams that are two divisions up, and, and I think they've identified, like, that's that's the uh, th- that's where they're going to struggle if, if they, you know, suddenly shot up two levels. They, they uh, you know, well, it wasn't bad. 1-1 one, one draw and a 2-1 late loss. But, you know, it just gives them an idea of where they stand, maybe if looking at uh, a division or two up. Which, you know, is obviously the mid and long-term vision is to get Borussia Dortmund um, into the Bundesliga. I mean, it has to be the goal. And I'm not sure if they ever put a number or time on it, but um, yeah, to your point, right? They start on a high level. If you want to know how they started on a high level, I can recommend you going back a couple episodes and find the interview with Svenja Schlenker, who explains in detail what they did for the casting and the preparation. And it obviously worked, but interesting to see that, you know, only like a you know division or two up, things aren't necessarily like cruising anymore right i feel like Mm -hmm. the ladies will have to develop um from the current flock of players i'm thinking about you know the mid-long-term goal who do you think after watching basically a whole season has the best shot to actually take it all the way like be with the team up until like the highest echelons i i think when you're looking at like it's a maybe like a 10-year plan to get to the Bundesliga. And when combining age and talent and that 10-year window, I think Hannah Guzman would have to be the, the number one pick there. She's tied for the team lead in goals scored in the league with 17. And she's only played in 12 games and six of those were starts because she's the one that had that long-term injury in the middle yeah. of the year. So 17 goals for us. She has one more goal in the cup as well and she's 17 years old um so she is uh usually playing up top as the number nine then on the sides we have vanessa heim who's 30 and uh and katrin lau who's 27 and vanessa three more goals and an assist today so across all competitions she has 22 goals and 22 assists they're just absurd numbers uh and katrin lau has 16 goals in the league 10 assists she has three more goals in the cup so she's right there with with 19 goals overall it's just just shocking numbers from <laughs> from the the attack and then i would say another player who is a, a great uh possible option to <clears throat> climb all the way up is anna zabel she started the year actually as a center back then moved up to like the number six then to like a number eight, then they kind of playing double eights. And now they're kind of playing double tens because they're just so attack focused. And across all competitions, she has another 20 goals and six assists. So this is our seven assists, I guess, in all competitions. So the, the goal scoring numbers, they look like, you know, a 1980s hockey team or something. There's just <laughs> so, so much offense, but uh, yeah. And 
I could literally just go on and on about the, the players, like on the defensive side too, they've conceded two goals all year. So you're looking at like Marina Young, who's 28. She's played 14 matches in the league and cup and, and, and just an absolute rock at center back. Uh, Virginia Glanzer and Lisa Clemen are both 33. So they'll kind of be uh, shepherding in the, the, the younger players uh, as we move up the, the charts here. But, Leah Roja Harper uh, is 25 and plays in a defensive midfield. No goals this year, but uh, go figure she has three goals and friendlies. She actually scored a brace against one of those higher level teams, but no goals in the league, but she has six assists and she's just a battler out there. I could see her climbing um, along with the team for quite a few divisions here. Uh, yeah, there's so many players I could talk about. Uh, apparently, which is, which is really cool. You know, I really... Um appreciate you know your insights here and it's great that you follow them so closely and again if you want to know more about the ladies adam really i can only repeat myself here is the source to go just uh, maybe your website again um real quick for the listeners yeah uh it's my last name darowski.com d-a-r-o-w-s-k-i dot com slash avlb like all the stats um insights you know like i said if you want to know more about the ladies how they fare that's a great source to go. Maybe um, final question since, um, yeah, Gozman was out and she's maybe a little too young anyway, but um, who's the MVP of the season? Like who's the most valuable player of that team? Maybe somebody from midfield or is it a veteran center backs? An MVP, it's, it's going to... Oh, gosh, I mean, Vanessa Heim, it's hard to argue with 22 goals and 22 assists. But then when you mentioned midfield, like uh, Anna Zabel has played everywhere from center back all the way up to number 10, and she has 20 goals as well and is just a defensive monster as well. I would be hard pressed to pick uh, between those two. But, you know, there's so many others too, like like uh, Anna Katrin Lau and Hannah Guzman I mentioned before. Uh, if you're going to force me to pick an MVP, I mean, I am. 22 goals, 22 assists. I mean, Vanessa Heim, I got to go. <laughs> go with Vanessa. Fair enough. And, you know, you can't go wrong because, obviously, in, in a season as stellar as this with, like, 200,000 goals and, you know, mm. basically non-conceded, you know, it takes a village uh, to raise, uh, you know, a person, and it takes a big team to put out a season like that. So there's obviously a lot of different people. on and Also off the pitch, obviously, that, uh put a lot of work in um are you happy with uh, uh the tactics um and 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 the way we played or is was the level of competition just not strong enough right now to really test the medal and see if you know what we're putting on the pitch makes the most sense for this group yeah i'm i'm very happy with with how they've played tactically and also how they've rotated they've gotten a lot of different players a lot of uh experience uh at this level and I think that one thing we could take away from those matches that were against higher level competition is that several of the goals were avoidable. And I think that those are things that they haven't been able to learn during the season because they haven't been put in those situations. So I think it's going to be very good for them to get a challenge uh, from higher level competition because uh, they will know how to fix those mistakes in the future and just get better. Great. Well, I think they will probably, you know, face a little bit of not necessarily adversity, but a different level of challenge. But I also think they're already good enough to probably figure it out during the season. So I would expect them to 
go up in another division next year. Would you concur? I think I would. Um, I don't think number one is going to be a given in the Berserksliga. I think that uh, they might, you know, run into one or two other teams that are that are very strong at the top of that table. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, absolutely. For sure. Great. I mean, it's fun to watch absolute goal fest that we've had like these 14, nothing matches, but I would also love to see this team. You know, some of my favorite matches to watch have been like the cup match against Dorstville. That was very close for a very long time. I would love to see more of those uh, against higher level teams. And I think the players would also appreciate, you know, like a different sporting challenge because, uh, you know, especially for the young ones, it will help them grow. Mm -hmm. So, well, but, you know, that's all in the distant future. So for now, congratulations, ladies, again on, you know, winning the league in your first year. Um, and um, Adam, thanks so much for the insights. Tila, thanks for having me on again. Thanks for tuning in again. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Big shout out to Brian and Adam for their contribution. Couldn't have done it without them. They're so insightful. So make sure to check them out. Follow them on Twitter to stay up to date on their insights as well. And we will have Brian back on the second part of the episode when we will be looking at the big coaching change and all the signings that have been coming in. So stay tuned. Second episode will follow shortly. And until then, a black and yellow shout out across America. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.